know he had to do arenas for this one. K-pop is an exchange. Usually a transaction, but not exclusively. Supply and demand is probably the most common and reductive description of this exchange. I think when you also loop in the titles of audience and celebrity or parasocial relationships to supply and demand, you get a little closer to what K-pop and really any other pop consists of. If anything, parasocial relationships can be broken down into multiple tiers with many varying dynamics and stakes, which affects whose demand takes priority and what is supplied. Is vague speak, I know. Just keep following me. Sometimes these parasocial relationships bend. Moments such as fan meets can narrow the identity of the audience for a temporary amount of time. Fan meets bring the audience into focus alongside the celebrity who, for that moment in time, and however long they will, place a face and name to their audience. Fan sites definitely live in this bend as dedicated and known members of the audience. They are seen by many through aliases on social media and reputations that precede them through Reddit forums and are sometimes recognized by their idols. Occasionally, these parasocial relationships break. Think Itzy's Rujin attending a GOT7 fan meet and later debuting as a JYP label mate, or Park So Joon being a Sistar fan in the military and later acting alongside Hoylin in Dream High. Of course, the break can also manifest violently with Sasang's deliberately taking up space in their idols' lives. All this to say that in K-pop, many, if not most, idols, artists, public figures do not live in a vacuum chamber. By direct engagement or mediation, they do occasionally or constantly hear the audience. Whether or not they meet the demand of the audience or even bother to listen, it's pretty much up to them or their mediator. How they publicly respond to criticism, praise, consumption, or avoidance can offer a glimpse of their own familiarities and values, either aligning or completely diverging from their company slash mediators. Because this intro is already fucking long, I'll try to summarize in a recent example, something that speaks to the being seen aspect of this K-pop feedback loop. After the death of George Floyd in late May 2020, support and visibility for Black Lives Matter swelled, with many taking up space not only in the previously empty streets, but online. Black life and humanity was in hyper-focus, certainly not for the first time, but with an amplified voice inside everyone's home. The girls, aka the audience, were emboldened to collectively DM and spam celebrities and idols social media with open your wallet and other sentiments of see this, see us, channel your visibility and platform for a necessary cause. And in response, some listened. Donations were made to various legal defense funds, bail funds, and mutual aid for black people and organizations. Some others sort of heard and then showed their ass, of course, with a black square and a hashtag Blackout Tuesday. It was also naturally crickets from many. But in all my years as a black K-pop fan, this was a pretty unprecedented response. The parasocial relationship for black fans can often feel like an echoing endless cave where our collective voices reverberate into darkness while we sweat out our emotional and creative labor and oxygen leaves us and is absorbed into the walls. A lot of us eventually lose the expectation of being heard and simply leave the cave. 
but there are plenty who in various ways know that there is an end to this cave with someone to receive the message. How clearly they hear this message, though, is, you know, debatable. In this time, I witnessed responses filled with anything from sympathy to empathy, well-wishing, thousands to millions of dollars in anecdotes offered then by idols whose companies remained and continue to remain silent. Companies whose existence is predicated on sounds, stylings, writing, and production developed by and with Black people. For me and many others, this response from idols was one of the first times we were acknowledged and empathized with apart from our monetary support. Their gestures provided a glimpse for Black fans to gauge how our idols see our humanity and collective tribulations as Black people, not just fans. And even then, many Black fans took these gestures with a grain of salt, some feeling slightly affirmed by their idols, some feeling let down and ostracized. Engaging with this concept simply titled Black Lives Matter, while possibly at its most mainstream peak globally, was still too polarizing for some celebrities. As pressure mounted and demands were reiterated, this movement for many non-Black fans and artists was also a jumping off point to appear a certain way, to appear correct and sensitive. Of course, appearance is simply appearance, and as this movement has continuously highlighted for years, chronic or continuous actions speak louder. For some non-Black fans with little stake in Black lives, idle responses turned into fan wars, Black fans pleading for continuous support from idols after their one-time donations were characterized as ungrateful. Non-Black fans integrated BLM and ACAB into their names while condemning Black anger. Some fans just deadass continued to Blackfish for followers and dox Black fans. Protests continued and idols continued on with their schedules. My majority Black household feared for each other's safety as curfews ensued. Teaser photos for groups I love were released while friends of mine were arrested and tear-gassed. And that's not to say that joy and pain cannot exist simultaneously. I know, that's really kind of what life is. But more than anything, this entire moment in relation to K-pop was just another representation of Pop's ability to cannibalize. While some have been reprimanded and are trying, in some way, shape, or form, to do better... The pop landscape is more or less what it was before this moment of hypervisibility. I mean, I suppose we're at a different point from JYP performing She Was Pretty with backup dancers and literal blackface and afro wigs, but artists refraining from mimicking blackness through cartoonish minstrel makeup doesn't mean the level of expectation has left hell. Non-black artists continue to release R&B, disco, and house-flavored tracks with rap verses while fans continue to perpetuate anti-black rhetoric online. The ratio against an anti-black statement might be a little bit stronger and swifter than before, but black fans, their humanity, and their relationship to this medium that is K-pop has again taken a backseat to the creative capital our culture supplies. Black fans finally being seen en masse just felt like another parasocial bend, not a break, not an involved relationship. And really, this all goes back to labor. In regions where capital and industry reign, Black and other bodies have notoriously been expected to work and make, to do, to provide, to care, 
what we make and build for ourselves as therapy, storytelling and protection, art, language, music, spaces, hairstyles, somehow end up inside the lucrative feedback loop as inspiration to be utilized, picked apart and repurposed only to be sold back to anyone who will watch. And at its biggest audience yet, this largely includes us, Black fans. In the case of K-pop, the somehow that kickstarts the integration of Blackness to their feedback loop is American imperialism. The United States pops fear cycle of Black creative input being dissected, washed, and popularized by lighter faces goes back to the 1950s as race music, born to tell Black stories for Black people, shifted into rock and roll, and labels found ways to spread the growing genre amongst segregated audiences. This half-century-long legal racial segregation spurred from the aftermath of a civil war where states fought for their ability to self-govern and maintain their industries. These industries were actually maintained and labored over by Black people who were sold as chattel and treated as animals. The luxury of simply existing and being perceived how we wanted was not available to us. What we produced and were forced to give was a measurement of our worth, doing, upkeeping, and aiding. This connotation put onto the Black body is felt in every industry that has been built in the United States and wherever her wide, no-arch-having, ugly-ass, overreaching feet decide to step. When the audience for a pop sphere has grown beyond its own region, how is the culture represented and maintained. To me, black productivity is crucial, unavoidable in the K-pop feedback loop. This episode, the first in our series, is about black people. Black consumers, black fans, black outsiders. We've obviously been human, but the perception of our humanity seems to ebb and flow with how lucrative others find us at times. So this episode is a spot for me, my friends and black listeners to unpack what we love and are frustrated by about k-pop we talk more than we feel though but damn six cents and a thing to trust i like it time for you to realize ain't no bitch can surpass you later Well, first off, I have a lot to say. I think as a black fan, it's it's a job. Like, at first it was something to enjoy. Like, maybe K-pop was like a hobby for me. But now, like, there was a certain point in time where I felt like being in K-pop was like a job for me. Like, a job where I wasn't getting paid, where I was, like, doing everything and I wasn't receiving anything out of it. It's like, there were certain times, like, I'm an 18 There were certain times where, like, people would just, like, say horrible things like i remember i was arguing with russian 18 years i was arguing with you know german 18 years and latino 18 years they were all like so racist to me they were calling me monkeys the n-word they were calling me a bunch of horrible things in their languages and it's just because i expressed my disappointment and you know horrible like i didn't like what hong jun did and you know, it's not like I hate him or anything. It's just like, I just didn't like what he did. And I'm not saying he's racist or a bad person, but he should be held accountable. So I just, you know, they take things as, like that as like you're trying to like physically come for the idol or something. Like it's not that, that's not the case. I'm an army as well. And I've seen 
experience things like that as well, especially during the time of when George Floyd's death, like on Twitter, when we were like trying to encourage the boys to speak up about Black Lives Matter, there were a lot of tweets saying, oh, the roaches left the fandom, they don't come back roaches, don't come back monkeys, blah, blah, blah. No matter in what context they meant that, that's still anti-black. Like, I just don't understand how people can say things like that and not feel like it's not racist. Like, what? In what world? Like, how is that even okay? And there are certain instances in K-pop where they just, like, try to pretend that they're not racist or, like, they'll sit here and be like, y'all should be okay with them taking advantage of your culture and making music about your culture and them get money and you don't. Like, why would I be okay with that? Like, K-pop is just freaking, if you think about it, it's just knockoff music made by black people. And we can enjoy it and stuff, but y'all get, people just take it too far sometimes. And yeah, that's my opinion. Um, I'm also Muslim, and being a black Muslim K-pop stan is one of the worst things ever. Like, there are certain times where I was just like, I'm, I'm gonna quit doing this. Hey yo, bring that shit from the top, all the way from the top. We are men, my mom, baby, everybody hates you when you crash We are men, we are men, I don't mind calling she got a bag, I smash it. All these men, I smash it. Yogi Chanel, so I smash it. Break for the pussy, I clock it. Then I beat it up, my time. Show the wig, I'm a time. My gosh. Well, wow. Okay, so I'm here with a couple of friends. Couple of friends. Whoa. <laughs> Stuttering already. This shit making me nervous. <laughs> Introducing K-pop to um, some of my friends. So I talked to four groups, to be exact, with varying amounts of K-pop literacy for this episode. None of these stats are accurate at all, but I would say that in my own life, roughly 30% of my friends are actively K-pop fans. 15% are here and there with the music, and the other 55% could really give a shit about K-pop. We're definitely going to hear from that 30%, but the others will pop by with a thought or two. Hey, I'm Larissa. I'm one third of Whiting Words, and I consider myself like a K-pop veteran. I got started in like 2009 when it was Shiny and Big Bang, 21, all those guys, super junior, girls' generation. And I've just been loving the vibe and the wave and seeing how it's, like, evolved over the years, too. So I love discussing K-pop. <laughs> Hi, I'm Deb. I'm another third of Whiting Words. Uh, I could have been a veteran fan just like Larissa if I listened to my brother, who surprisingly tried to put me on a K-pop in, like, 2010. And at that time, I was like what in the world is this <laughs> and like completely ignored him but then funny enough like five years later I start listening to like k-hip-hop and like k-rap and eventually that segued into listening to like red velvet and like BTS and xo and now I'm like all in and I feel like I definitely let myself <laughs> miss a lot of opportunities to enjoy all the older groups, but you know, that's 
something you can always go back to. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, that's kind of, that's so funny. That's kind of where I'm coming from also, where it's just like, this had always been like a periphery thing, sort of like between like 2009, 2010. And then like, you know, friends of friends would just like drag me further in. And then like, for me personally, it was like Boa's like English debut that like, that stronghold that she had <laughs> on like me yeah, and my friend group <laughs> it was crazy it was so crazy um I guess let's start with what are you guys listening to now I know we were about to get into this for a second but yeah what are you guys uh um so sometimes I kind of go in and out with k-pop specifically but I do still somewhat regularly listen to Korean artists so right now I have um this song called somewhere it has like I think DJ pumpkin and like a, a bunch of AMG people like hoodie and DeVito which both of them I love and also gray who I also love um so I've been listening to that a lot I feel like I could be listening to Can't Stop Me by Twice more than I am. And maybe <laughs> I need to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I know NCT's like low-key canceled, but I can't, I can't, I can't get that part where they like whistle and they're like make a wish no! <laughs> in my head and I see Shotaru like doing the little shoulder I know in my head <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so like definitely those people I'm listening to and then I feel like that's like my top three right now however Despite the controversy, I'm still kind of excited for Red Velvet whenever that happens. Same with Got7. Mm. Uh, I just really enjoy them both. So I'm waiting for the comeback as well as BTS. But being a BTS fan and Black can be exhausting. So like, yeah. yeah. I've been uh, kind of with the theme of this week, been on this huge nostalgia wave. I've been re-listening to a lot of EXO, a lot of Teen Top. That was like my band back in the day. Neil was my bias. <laughs> I'm like, let me listen to my sweet Prince once again. <laughs> but I also have been listening to, let me see, I always get their name wrong. I'm looking at my Spotify. I was about to say Evergreen, but it's Everglow. Ah, yes! <laughs> they have some good songs. They really do. I love La Dida. Hello, welcome to 106 and Soul, a black K-pop podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Omari. I'm your host, Omari. And I am here with my co-host. Yeah, it's me, the other one, Aaron. <laughs> and you spell that. Just, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> not, not. And the, my social security number is. <laughs> I mean, the doctors already know. Um, oh my god, Amari, Aaron, please, if you could tell us, um, you know, wh- like where you're from, you know, give us a little background. Where you're from, what do you do, um, and what you're listening to currently. Oh my god, this sounds just like my okay. <laughs> well, um wait, no, that's maybe it's a deja vu. Anyway, um, I am from the south mm-hmm. and 
gotta be big for these hoes because you know <laughs> right and it, um, exactly exactly black fans be like <laughs> currently i be i been, let me actually look at my apple music because like i don't really listen to a lot of k-pop these days mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I have been listening to. I know I've been listening to Bionic by um, uh, Christian Aguilera. Wow! Um, wow! Deep cut. <laughs> Generation from Exile Tribe new song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I need to get into the. How do I say this? Be by Doobie, new album Fake It Flowers. And I'm listening to Shamir's new album. Ah, okay, true. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little alternative. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> right, right. And Erin, how about you? <laughs> um, well, I am from uh, the south, southeastern states, United States. Uh huh. Um, and most recently, I was listening to the Millionaires, but also. <laughs> Um, I've been listening to a lot of um, noisy stuff because okay. it like, makes my little gex, brain. Gex. <laughs> I love the gex I, um, I, I put together. Her. And like a hundred gexes on, I'm just hearing, I'm just hearing like liquid noises auto tune. <laughs> You're hearing pop, 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 pop. <laughs> And it just, ooh, it soothes something in me. Like, it just... No, I feel um, that. But I, I have this, like, songs to be obnoxious to playlist <laughs> that has been on repeat for, like, the past two weeks. Um, and, yeah, there's there's a lot of noisy stuff on there. Nice. Nice. <laughs> we love that. We are talking to the It's the Melanin for Me podcast. Which I'm super excited to talk to you guys. My name is Jay. Uh, what am I listening to? I don't know. I've been listening to Treasure, their new single. I live in Detroit. I guess I'm a writer. I'm a student right now. Uh, but I write sometimes, occasionally. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm Jamie. I'm from Michigan. I'm a photography major, but I, I haven't really been able to travel to take the kind of pictures I want so Mm. just going to school virtually and I've been catching up on anime I've been listening to Why Not by Luna and Can't Stop Me by Twice lately Uh, those are my two favorites so like lately um yeah um I'm Tara I'm from Michigan um Right now, I've been listening to Taman's uh, Act Two, Never Gonna Dance Again, Act Two. Um, that's a great album. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> but um, outside of the podcast, I'm also a writer, but you know, the way school is set up, <laughs> all I do is um, watch K dramas, though. So. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sav from Georgia. Um, I've been listening to well, lately Taman's album and Twice's new album. There's something laced with it. I can't stop listening to the entire <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> I am an education major, uh, history, and um, I guess outside, all I really do is dance and play Minecraft. Honestly, so. <laughs> 
I'm going to start off with somebody who is sort of in, not intermediate with K-pop, but you know, has no, heard a couple songs. <laughs> Will confirm not intermediate, but has heard a couple of songs and, you know, bops a little bit, listens to probably like 20 minutes worth of K-pop today. Yeah. And it was pretty rare. So yeah, that's really you know. rare for me. Like um, I listened yeah. to that one song and, and then other songs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, so name, Adrian, yes. My name is Adrian. Um, I was born in the Bronx, raised in... No, I wasn't. That is such a lie. <laughs> wait, what's the second question? Where are you from? Oh, yeah. I'm from... No, where are you really from? Uh, <laughs> 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 Who is... <laughs> Yo, I'm... <laughs> this bitch is from Jersey, okay. so... <laughs> Damn, this is not your show. I also, this is somebody that I've oh, had a show with for years oh, now also. Also. Uh, yeah. Name drop, you would. Great show. Love it. Um, okay. Um, this is not my show. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so born and raised in Nueva Jersey. Um, currently live in Nueva York, more specifically in the borough of Brooklyn. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i'm i'm low level k-pop what was the other low question le- low level k-pop works um so like what do you listen to and oh you know? what do i listen to yeah depends on it's very much of mood or like a vibe i go into phases i think mm-hmm. i listen to like kind of one artist at a, one time one artist another time and all of my friends playlists and then i'll make my own playlist up pulling everyone's music together Ooh, crowdsource um, playlist yeah, yeah i'm bad at making playlists <laughs> that's fair yeah, I guess lately I've been that. listening to all of the songs from Blonde Radio. Cause someone made a like a uh, a mix of all four hundred and like fifty songs. Jesus Christ! So that shit hits. Well, yeah, I'm sure. And then I've just been like re-listening to Mariah Carey's like Caution, the one like Dev Hines produced. Caution's and amazing. What else? I don't know some dumb stuff. Rich murder. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Dumb listen. stuff. No, that's that's valid. Completely valid. Hi, I'm Jordan. Um, I'm. 25. I'm a writer, uh, like cultural critic, and I'm from New Haven, Connecticut. And yeah, I don't I don't listen to any K-pop. Um, I listen to what I've been listening to recently is uh, "Wet Me" by Ray J, and um, some Beach Boys. And uh, I listen to a lot of like I'm, I listen to a lot of pop rap. You know what I mean? Like I listen to a lot of like main like mainstream hip hop, like Aubrey Drake Graham. Um, <laughs> And uh, I love Playboy Cardi. Like you know, I'm very of my of my age bracket. Right. Slash target demographic. Target demographic. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't listen. To that. I'm like K-pop blind. Well, I'm Mason. <laughs> uh, this is my second time on the show. Yes. Uh, I I do listen to K-pop. Yes. I listen to quite a bit of it. That's very true. Um, I uh, really turned. I feel like a couple years back. I turned you on to NCT. That's true. Uh, true. Okay. No. Here's a fun fact. Here's a fun fact. Touch, touch, touch some things. Yes. It really. That. Oh, damn. So, fun fact. Fun fact about us. Basically, Mason, when I was getting back into K-pop, like slowly dipping my toe back into K-pop, Shiny One of One happened. Yeah. Um. So that was like a whole thing. I had no idea that NCT existed. Basically, Mason showed me the touch video because he was like, "Okay, listen, hear me out." (laughs) And I was like, "Heard." I was like, "Oh, SM Entertainment is doing." this now i was like sm's doing this now wait wait so 
That was a whole cultural, that was literally my personal cultural reset. I know we talk about that all the time on Twitter and et cetera, et cetera. But that was my cultural reset. So thank you, Mason, for doing that. Um, Yeah. Flash forward to last year. Right. We saw NCT Live. Oh, we did. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Full circle. Literally. Seeing Touch Live. It was crazy. So, Mason, just tell me a little bit about, like, you know, like, what you do personally and then just, like, other music tastes outside of K-pop. Okay. Um, What do I do? Right. I gotta. I, I, know. I don't know. I would just say like artists. Yeah. I yeah. make a lot of shit with you. Right. Yeah. I do a lot of video shit. Yes. Um, I work um, at a museum. Yeah. Uh, so I go. do that. Yeah. And outside of like, I listen to a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like I mean I'm not. I'm just like a child of. LimeWire. So, I mean, like... <laughs> I know that's right. Uh, you can follow me on Apple Music. I love Apple making playlists. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. They're good. No, I mean, like, listen, anytime I see Mason's little icon pop up on Apple Music... I try to keep them fun. Um, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'll really listen to that. Should I cross the color line and get Apple Music? I would no, should you cross the color line? <laughs> Yo, okay. Both right now, I don't know how because I haven't paid for, like, one or the other. And it just kept going. <laughs> so, to be fair, I mean, like, listen... Listen, I was like a hardcore title subscriber for like years. Oh, you're one of them. I, yeah, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Yo, no, I'm literally one of them. Like, I, I was like, listen, I gotta listen to Prince. The new Kanye's on here, sure. Um, and oh. then also, like, Auntie came out there first. So, you know, I was on that bitch. I was really on there. Um, and then Apple Music happened. And I was like, all right, well, fine, cool. So, yeah, I mean, like, I guess well, that's just the NCT dropped exclusively there for a second. Or, was yeah. it NCT or was no? It... I think it might have actually been Shiny that shiny, dropped something. Right, I think right, they dropped right. one of one exclusively on Apple Music. That was, it, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Right. right oh right. shit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that being said, I mean, like we've established that you know we have different levels of K-pop, you know, I guess knowledge here. Fluency. Yeah, fluency. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Piggybacking off of that. A sensical question to ask is, do you like this medium at all? Is there anything that you're sort of like, okay, like, I, yeah, I can get into that. Or is there something that's just kind of, kind of like, that takes you aback? You know, any sort of reservations? Or do you just like, are you just like, no, I'm just casual about this. Like, I really just, I like a lot of the shit that happens. Um, no, I was listening to K-pop this morning because you sent me that one song. Oh, yeah. I think I sent, um, I sent, I sent Love Song from Neo Zone, and then I also sent Candy by Backyard. Yeah. Candy was cool to listen to it again because it's really good. Yeah. I really like the crack out of pop, like Charlie XCX, mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. that, like, crack that really hits, like, yeah. a little mm-hmm. thing in your like head. pop rocks oh, in your brain. Serotonin. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's it, actually. You get, yeah. like, yeah. rushes of serotonin yeah. sometimes from it. Um, yeah. But the songs really, it would like, it would, I was listening to it, I guess, on Apple Music, and the song would just transition to the next one, like, really quickly, and I yeah. wouldn't notice that the song changed. Uh, and that's why I kept listening to, like, the first two songs of oh, each yeah. album. Oh, like, yeah. You were texting me about some other NCT songs. And I was like, like what? <laughs> I was like, I did not send those to you, but it is a good album. Yeah. I was like, that's good. Like, you know. I don't know. I used to be really, really anti. Yeah. Like, I didn't even want to read about it. I didn't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Didn't want anything to do with it. Let's unpack that. Um, why, why, was there like any sort of just like, was it just like a pop sort of thing that you were like, oh, this will probably phase out? Or like, was it just like... I was like, more more into this goofy fucking shit. <laughs> like, they're just dancing like Michael Jackson. And there's Whoa. just like 30 of them on one stage. That is very true. That is kind of, that was kind of the setup. That yeah. was by design, I think, actually. And then when the rap <laughs> stuff would come on, okay, and they would just enough. be saying like... <laughs> 
<laughs> like gore every second <laughs> in Korean. <laughs> okay, listen. All right, there's there, a Korean there, word. Some, there are some people who do actually say nigga just as off rip because they're just like simply I'm anti-black. But there is a word in Korean that's nega, which is like basically I. Oh. <laughs> and like that, we're off. Yeah, this comes this comes up constantly where people are like actually misappropriating or misappropriating using that fucking word just as like a parallel to yeah. you know like as just like a little f- fill in sort of like joke. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like, oh, nigga. Like, and it's just like, oh my god, y'all are bugging for doing that. But okay, and that doesn't have. I I can't say that I've seen it recently, mm-hmm. but they are recent enough. Well, it makes that more egregious than motherfucker in the video wearing purple dreads. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, the appropriation of black aestheticism is a point of contention and became one of the first topics touched on by nearly every group when discussing what we disliked or didn't understand about K-pop. Jordan was definitely talking about Block B's Shall We Dance, since part of our discussion included a music video show and tell. And if you've never seen it, I would suggest you go and find it and give the video like, I don't know, like 15 seconds. You'll definitely know what we're talking about. I guess, like, does that ever sort of, like, ripple out into, like, like the K-pop sphere for you at all? Where you're just, like, you see something and you're, like, I gotta I gotta cool it on, like, looking at this particular artist. Or, like, you know, I, I don't really, like, this does not help this artist's case to, like, have me, like, listen to them. You know, like, they're doing some wild shit. I gotta stay away from that. All the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... That is gonna happen, like regardless when you listen to K-pop, but like especially being a black K-pop stan, because mm. there's so many things like problematic things, or just a person of color in general. Mm. Like there's just a lot of cultural appropriation in K-pop, which like we all know this, so it's like it's I feel like it's inevitable kind of, but sometimes it's not even completely like the artist it's sometimes the toxic fan base that can like make me like okay i don't want to be a part of this at all Mm. that's like really sad because Mm -hmm. you know that's them they're messing up the bag for that group like Mm -hmm. it's sickening yeah in your in like whole years of like standing k-pop like are there any songs that you're just automatically like absolutely not i i refuse to listen to that like i Cocoa this Bob, is XO. terrible okay Aaron, but yeah. Aaron, okay <laughs> she she has not heard the full coco bob song i feel like i have you've heard the beginning <laughs> i mean she, she hears a shimmy I, I, shimmy coco bob and she's out i was <laughs> And I think that's the only song like that. I think that is my one, like, hard limit. She has a shimmy, shimmy, Coco Bop, I think. But she'll listen, I don't she'll like listen it. to work, 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 work. <laughs> but some shimmy, shimmy, Coco Bop is, like, too much for her. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Something about oh my God. the song paired with, like, wow. the first first two seconds of the video or whatever i think they immediately show Kai. <laughs> yeah no i was about to say if anything that would probably be the thing that throws you oh. which is just it like seeing this together, korean nigga in dreads and bow locks <laughs> just My like i don't know like too, pop locking and dropping wait what was that <laughs> 
Mine is also an Axel song too, but me and her disagree on the song. Leave Wolf alone. We- <laughs> oh my god! If you need, feel free to pause and look up Coco Bob too, or Wolf by XO, where Kai is sporting cornrows instead. The image of idols with bone straight hair transformed into mysteriously constructed faux locks, cornrows, and other protective styles for naturally kinky and curly hair is overly familiar for fans and outsiders. These time-consuming dues are meant to accentuate the vague vibes of tribal, ethnic hip, Rasta, or swag in an artist's comeback. Everyone had their own examples of transgressions against and downright goofy adaptations of Black style. And that's not to say Black fans haven't been vocal and expressed a distaste for these awkward, at best, or violent, at worst, moments. In terms of K-pop's feedback loop with fans, it almost feels like a monthly occurrence where a group of fans will mobilize on Twitter with templates for mass emailing and threads calling out a company's styling choice or ill-informed projection onto a group. This style of call-out is actually incredibly popular for K-pop fans. Mass emailing has been used in situations of varying urgency, from Korean fans asking lead vocalist Chen to leave EXO after his pregnancy and marriage scandal, to Muslim fans asking SM Entertainment and Korean television network KBS to embargo a performance of NCT 127's single Make-A-Wish that depicted the Sheikh Syed Mosque in Abu Dhabi. I've noticed that it's more so big companies that don't pay attention to people outside of Korea. And I think that's because they're a big company. Like, they cannot do anything to offend Korea because a lot of Koreans will be upset, upset about it. So, like, when I think about it, when small company groups do something to offend international fans, Mm -hmm. they're quicker to respond, or they respond. Not even that they respond fast, but they just actually respond. Like, think of KQ or, um, Mm -hmm. what's what's Big Time's label? Play M. Um, who else? Um, label, I don't know what they're labeled. Who? MCND. Oh, yeah. Ah. Um, them. And um, who, I just had somebody in the uh, company in my head. But yeah, this, oh, 2Z's company, whoever mm. they are, but I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, small, they, the smaller, but I don't, but at the same time, I'm not sure if um, smaller companies are just able to see. This this stuff happening because they're smaller companies. They have a smaller following. Their group has a smaller following. Like they can see their demographics clearly. It's not just like overshadowed by a bunch of fans in one region or regions. Mm-hmm. But like think about it. Every time there's a scandal with Essence specifically, whenever there's a scandal that affects one of their groups, like really on a large scale with Koreans, they're going to talk about it. But if they don't, even if it's a problem in Korea, if they feel like the fans are on, like, don't care, they won't speak about it still. Like, think of the Chanu situation. They didn't <laughs> say anything. <laughs> the I just am, like, having a flashback to this fucking tweet that was so funny when um, Chen Yol's shit dropped. 
And everybody was like, so, right, the Chen Yul situation is actually a cover-up for the Irene situation, which was a cover-up for the NCTU situation, which yeah. um, is a cover-up for... <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I was just sitting there like, well, yeah, that kind of is how, like, funny enough is that is them having the Irene thing happen whenever it did, whatever it triggered that actual dropping of that news and allegation it really did work in favor for just sort of burying the imagery and iconography that was lifted from literal religion <laughs> that um is practiced by a lot of black people <laughs> um plus other people in this world um uh, a top i think the, the one of the top three um <laughs> if i'm not mistaken uh but yeah lifting of that and put into you know a music video for aesthetic um and then this woman is just being scapegoated uh for like a whole different ass situation but that I, like the news of like nct doing any sort of cultural appropriation thing i don't even know Who's to say that that news even hit anybody in Korea when there's this bigger thing to talk about where people are just going to simply be angry at a woman? Um, how much do you think these companies listen to each sort of region? You know, like I know that they're like, we will always understand that, like, for the most part, most companies will put Korea first. And that's like the main sort of target demographic. But, you know, you also have like the Southeast Asian um a demographic you have the chinese demographic you have the japanese demographic you have the south american demographic and then you have the us europe and like all these other regions do you think that like these companies are ultra selective on who they hear and like listen to about issues and like all these other things or like complaints or like what they actually like, like absolutely absolutely yeah. because um this is why they come out with like uh, Japanese versions of Arab songs. And, you know, like I very seldom ever heard of an issue with a group where it's like they've cultural appropriated or they've offended the fans of certain countries. Like I, 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 I it, it makes sense, you know, in a way that they put other Asian countries first because, you know, it's the we're all in this together type thing and you know it just out of respect especially if they have Japanese members in their group or a, a huge following of Japanese fans um or just any other Asian country because you know there's you know they come out with different versions of different songs in different languages but um like and then I think it's like once it's after the Asian countries it's just English speaking Mm. which which is very different um which is not different because um nct's been doing this like uh learn a language or indonesian school i can't i can't quite remember the title of it but they've done that which was something completely new i saw that and i was like wow that's different but mm. which makes sense if they have a large amount of fans but like english is also like well <laughs> i wouldn't say most spoken but you know like common language um and so, like, instead of listening to, I don't think they listen to, like, certain countries like that, that outside of the uh, Asian country, like, sphere, I just think they go about, like, English speaking. Because there are plenty of countries that speak English and then a second language, like a lot of European countries or, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, Australia or, like, you know, 
I just I don't think they listen to America <laughs> as, as um as weird as that might sound I don't think they listen to America uh at all really I mean obviously I think it's more now because you know like certain groups are under American labels too but mm-hmm. um when it comes to like concepts or uh you know music sounds and stuff like that like I mean, obviously, some countries, will, not countries, companies will have, you know, American writers, like writers from all around the world. I just don't think that they think, hmm, how are we not going to upset America today? I don't think that's on their mind at all. Yeah, definitely not. NCT 127 had already seemingly been on thin ice for some fans since the release of the music video for Make-A-Wish due to a set piece, which resembled something like a incredibly simplified cross between a gazebo with neon lights and a Persian Iwan. Of course, the potential for cultural overstep turned into actualization when the set designers for Music Bank decided to plop an actual mosque as the set background. And to be fair, some of SM Entertainment and K-pop's largest consumer bases are in Malaysia and Indonesia, where Islam is not only widely practiced, but an official, if not the official religion. Indonesia even having a regional SM town location for fans and signed artists to convene. As you could probably assume, these incredibly important and polarizing styles and influences apart from being ripped from their original context for capital, oftentimes just simply look a lot less cool to black audiences comparatively to non-black audiences. From what I understand, there are plenty of fans who actively try to communicate this to companies on social media and via email. And though some here and there listen, it continues to be an issue. Which leaves us with the question, why do companies persist with the same bad habits? Reggae hair is one of those things that I do not understand why it keeps happening. But then I'm, I think about it and Your I'm face. like, oh, it's anti-blackness. <laughs> like, it's, just, right, it's simply right. they um, think we're cool and that's it. Yes. Um, I remember yes, that one. Yes. Pentagon comeback. I was so and, heartbroken. Oh, I haven't been able to get back into Pentagon in the same way since then. I literally have not I'm screaming. enjoyed I mean, them. But, like, know, I follow AT since like pre debut, like since their like little reality show. Right. And I'm not since the last comeback and like like pe- people for like people like oh like a fan will never like take me away from a group. It's like okay, that's cool. That's you. But, Good like, for you. Right. Like, no, totally. That can sour the way you like see things. Like. Mm-hmm. I had to step back from ATs because um, Hong Jun did the same shit that Utah did to yeah. me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the fandom on top of that, but like, no, totally. I, mean, I, I was about <laughs> to say, yeah. The res- resonance compact. <laughs> Yo, oh my gosh. And not, and 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 like and not because of like hair, because that whole like flimsy braid that Lucas had was it was actually oh, hilarious. Bro. Like. I- my god they yo i was like not the one braid you have a little braid as a treat i was like me <laughs> with my barbie dolls um, <laughs> this is a thing that comes up a lot when it comes to like 
fans pointing out things about like oh that's kind of fucked up actually don't do that like etc etc yeah there's always a disconnect between like the fans that feel that where they're just like okay i recognize that thing and that's weird that you put it in this context and the fans who are just like this seems a little blown out of the out of proportion or i'm not familiar with this so this seems like this is an extra ass thing that y'all are doing um i i like i really I'm just, I'm picking on SM because I'm very much just like an SM stan. Sure. So I'm very familiar with this shit. Yeah. And they're a great example. You know, right? I'm just, I'm kind of just like, is there any sort of like thing related to like, not necessarily specifically SM, but just like any other sort of like experience like that where you're just like, okay, a lot of people are like, that is actually so grossly misappropriated or just generally appropriated um and all these other people are not seeing it and i i feel weird about this like do you have any like particular examples of this or like i mean i see this with like a lot of k-pop comebacks so like so like you see it but like no like everyone else is like Everyone else was is pretending not to see, like, yeah, because the song go off, right? right. And that's okay, like yeah, no, yeah. Sometimes be going listen, off, but like I was just like, you know, I'm gonna say anything. I remember when ATs first came out. Oh my like, god, that was yeah. that's not the first yeah. time that's happened. But I remember ATs like I debut, right? Mingi had like 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 some braids in his head or something <laughs> and like right, right. no one talks about that like, no nobody talks about it listen everybody was like kq fellas really hit actually so <laughs> i mean keep, same. Keep it quiet. i bought the album so i was like this, this is great like oh my god the dance covers i was like wait a minute right. now this exactly now this now this I bad can bitch my- puerto rican <laughs> Right, um, exactly, exactly. I mean, Key's hair in the beginning of Forever Yours. <laughs> not Key, Bob. Said key. Not Keybert. Oh my god. <laughs> I love Key. My little twist out. That's was so cute. true. It really it looked like a twist out, didn't it? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm dead. We really, we, we really don't. We keep we kept that one low. That that one was pretty low. Aaron, do you have any particular moments of just like? cultural uh, appropriation misappropriation exploitation etc etc that you're like damn like i really can't forget that like um oh my god there's so many that i like intentionally forget i'm just like (laughs) 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 yeah understandable try to like wipe it off my brain yeah only deal with so much right 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 um (laughs) But okay, so recently this Monster X comeback, um oh God, one of them one of them had a bandana on My cousin. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Your cousin. <laughs> we danced um, together at the Monster X concert. Okay. I'm like, which one is cousin? Which one is cousin? Uh, John. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he he's he just is. It it did you okay for this and for most times like it doesn't add anything to the look fashion wise like it seems out of place and it's like so that aside I enjoyed this Monster X comeback. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that was, I was like, I was like all excited about the comeback and I was like watching videos on YouTube and that was about to be the next one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, never mind. I'll, like, like, I'm just gonna, (laughs) Mm, you know, maybe let me, not, mm -mm, nope, not this one. And so I didn't, I like stopped watching the Monster X YouTubes and I was like, you know who does not let me down? Luna. You were like, let's pump it up. Dino, 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 dino. But like, there was that is the most recent one, and that's mm. oh NCT historically over and over again. Uh, yeah, with different things. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Um, what was it? What was it? Limitless? Limitless. Yeah. Throw the whole, like throw the whole era away. There's something. We have posters for Limitless era. <laughs> You did of who? I'm of glad you took the Jaehyun one down. I have a poster Jay-Hun. of Jaehyun. I have a big poster Jay-Hun of all of them with that horrible twist um, out the, attempt. The, oh my god! Yep, yep, not yep, that. Yep, yep. That was the one. Oh, and I had shit. to look at his ass every time I went to Amari's house. I'm like, take it down. <laughs> Put him away. You're like, take it down. Take it down. This no. is so fucked up. Take it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, L- limitless. Um, um, NCT is where I'm at men- mentally. <laughs> that was a different time. Oh. Listen, if they tried to do limitless now, that shit would have been shut the fuck down. Like, there's something. There's something about that. Like, I don't know what. Like, it's been like three years since that happens. Like, yeah, those three years, something changed. Like, I can't wait for AR Mark Lee. AR Mark Lee is gonna be lit. <laughs> Oh, look. And I went to a gym of the band. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, Limitless was definitely, like, a really... I mean, like, I think of win-win with those fucking dreads. Like, that yep. was crazy. Yep, I cannot... I, that's, that was crazy. I, I don't want it in my head no more. <laughs> you know, win-win is mad hardcore. I'm... T- <laughs> He's the baddest alive. <laughs> oh. Right, Exactly. He said bust it, bust it, bust it for a real one. So he did right. gift us with that line. I mean, he that did was say a that. You're so right, masterpiece. Exactly. Li- exactly. You know, one of the Oops. few lines that he does get in NCT 127. <laughs> like 90% of K-hip-hop. Oh, my God. Um, oh, let's be honest, Woo! yes. And- K-hip-hop is just a cesspool. Oh, like, yeah. That's yeah. Um, Except for Jessie, because Jessie is her own skin tone, and she makes amazing music. Oh my god! That's my my queen, Jessie. You know, I'm gonna have to clarify that you're also a Jessie stan in this, like, <laughs> like genuinely. I'm like, gonna have to specify. <laughs> All my pills are legal, so I'm just gonna drink till I. Go dumb dumb. Oh something. my god. Here so we, get here we go. Now. Here oh we go. <laughs> Diamonds blue like I'm a crib. You know I, oh my god. Uh, Who would that be? Oh my they god. They love to hate because I keep it real. No, <laughs> no, because of the way that this is continuing. I can't. <laughs> just, I lyric can't. after lyric oh after lyric. <laughs> like, just uh, one after another. Gucci, you know? I Like, I... Uh, <laughs> and somehow I've heard all these what songs. Is, what, is, what it really do? That's so crazy. Um, <laughs> when I get Sunmi and Jesse collab, don't be don't be Not hating. Sunmi and Jesse. Oh my god. Anyway, um... <laughs> personally for me as a black woman, the adoption of black hair is the most annoying and undying issue of appropriation in K-pop. Of course, 
the issue arises where the disconnect happens. The hairstyles that idols occasionally wear to bring home a check and look cool mimic the styles that have cost black workers, nurses, waitresses, soldiers, news anchors, athletes, teachers, and so on their jobs. Workplaces misinterpreting the natural looks as, quote, unprofessional and unclassy. Black students have been barred from attending public and private schools alike and deemed insubordinate on the basis of how long their naturally worn hair was. Schools citing that black hair that is not straightened is a distraction amongst the class. And this anti-black discrimination has only recently been criminalized in the U.S., with legislation like the Crown Act of 2020, which at this time of recording has only been passed in five out of 50 states, not including D.C. Hmm. I feel like cultural appropriation always comes up a lot. And at at times, I'm like, you definitely have a point. But at other times, I'm just frankly exhausted about mm having this conversation over and over again and it definitely like I feel like they could do more to educate themselves like I always get recommended this one video of like female idols learning about cultural appropriation I think it like circulated around Twitter and honestly I have been meaning to watch it just to see like okay what are they really saying like are they really being accurate Mm-hmm. But in other instances, when it's like big companies and big groups that do it and get in trouble over and over again, it's like, okay, I feel like, like you can't just say, oh, we didn't, like you, no, you right. knew, you kinda, and you, you probably, you probably you just knew. Didn't, yeah, you probably knew, you probably didn't care, or were fully, fully prepared to deal with the backlash, which. Sadly, online cancel culture, I feel like, is very temporary to some degree. Yeah. To some degree. When yeah. it's, like, more heinous things, it's more permanent, obviously. Right, but, right. like, to some degree, it's, like, not even among Korean fans, first of all, which is always our priority. <laughs> I'm sorry to anybody that disagrees with me. Korean fans are always a priority. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We just have to accept that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, backlash from international fans that will probably get over it in whatever amount of time or something else happens where their attention is shifted to something else Mm. i think that is definitely something that and it just annoys me at this point i feel like i have like other things that i have to kind of put my energy towards but cultural appropriation like Mm. every time i see it i'm just like why why though like why again why can't you just do you just be yourself just be yourself yes easy it's not that hard i promise you there's something about you that's just as special you know exactly picking from other people like come on now come on that's so real no that's so that is so real I mean the cultural appropriation thing has been like it's just come up so much recently but like that has always been a conversation where it's like damn like that is simply a costume huh like that's very that's interesting weird I don't know why that was the choice especially when there's like I mean like there's a whole global market that has just only gotten stronger throughout like what the past 10 years like I, I would be a little bit more cautious about that. And that, yeah, uh, back on the girl group video, I, 
I've been meaning to watch that too. That's in my YouTube queue. Like uh, K-pop, just there is so much to consume. <laughs> so like, haven't gotten to it either. But <laughs> you know, uh, but I've heard I've heard really interesting things about it. Just the uh, like, oh wow, like the fact that somebody's even doing this. That being said, the girl group in question, they're the one who is like, I forget the name of the group, but they have like their own mm-hmm. Discord. I thought it was weekly too, and it isn't. They just did oh. like a little cute skit on like Mnet or like M Countdown for that where they were in like a boardroom that looked like that. Oh. I got like I dead got it confused too, but like it's so funny because like they're this girl group is like still in its trainee phase and like there's a huge sort of like visible presence of like them being trainees like they're literally on discord they have their own server where basically they're ranked on the amount of interaction that they give between like their fans and them as trainees (laughs) and so like i think they're like 12 girls or 13 girls or something like that in total and or maybe i'm making that up but there's there's a group of girls i think maybe a quarter of them are supposed to be cut from the final lineup (laughs) Oh, no. yeah. Oh, wow. yeah yeah so that's uh, that's the whole thing i don't know <laughs> but at least they're getting that training i don't know like, yeah <laughs> like if anything before y'all leave <laughs> we'll give you a little something a little yeah. parting yeah. gift like yeah exactly a little education yeah. since we're taking from your school days um the girl group if you're curious actually consists of 18 members and is named yours I finally got around to watching the video and I recommend it actually. The link is in our episode description. The costuming and performance of blackness seems like an undying constant in pop regardless of how black audiences respond. And of course, this type of superficial engagement with blackness obviously isn't limited to K-pop. We could take up another 30 minutes just talking about how Miley Cyrus aged herself up via Mike Will Made It in a pair of Jordans. Like, it's the yeah. same shit to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so I, and to your question, like, how did you, how did you feel about it? I, I think I'm still in Adrian's original camp. Like, I'm like, what is this goofy shit? Yeah. Like, I don't, I have no interest in it and I haven't gone deep enough to, like, find the stuff that I may enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the barrier of entry, it feels so high because it's like, 30 niggas on a stage and <laughs> doing da- goofy pop dancing. I'm not yeah, I'm not yeah. of a pop proclivity in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even listen to much American pop yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. like, you know, top 40 geared. Right. You know, I do like Charlie XCX and, like, the weird, like, you know, left to center shit. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, but I, I yeah. So, like, I, I think it was those things in tandem. Like, I don't even like this shit in America. Why would I like it somewhere else <laughs> where they're doing blackface? Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. so, and so that's been where I think where I've been stuck at. But, yeah. I'm inclined to believe there's something I have to like because you smart people seem to like it. So I'm like, you Nigors seem to like it. So I'm, so I'm like, maybe. But yeah, I'm stuck in the first, I'm stuck in position totally. one. Totally. Yeah. yeah. In my own experience with bringing K-pop into my black friends' lives, the reaction is overwhelmingly this sense of, I don't think this was made for me. Shit, the reaction is like that for many black fans, but here we are. And at the end of the day, I think that sentiment is absolutely true. This industry is influenced by another industry that actively works against Black consumers and Black artists. Black contribution is sought after, but recognition of Black talent and maintenance of Black health and equity runs thin. There are so many markers of this, from Grammy snubs and urban slash R&B pigeonholing to 360 record deals 
And if 2020 has shown us anything, the optics of being cozy with blackness only go so far in moments of black crisis. When we're back from our break, we'll dive deeper into the divide. Hey, this is Deb from Point Rich Podcast. Um, I guess for me, my biggest thing is even though this exists in the Black community in general, being that K-pop and being a K-pop fan is so niche, it's kind of disheartening to see that Black fans sometimes don't get along, like, along amongst ourselves. Like, a lot of people would be sticking their nose out for their faves, even if they do something problematic, and then will call other Black fans that try to help them see the light, um, racial slurs, that, or, like, just things that are aggressive, like, aggressive terms towards Black people, which doesn't make sense because, like, fam, you Black too, like, what you're saying about me you could say it by yourself but like whatever i just think that it's really sad that that still happens in such a niche community and obviously it's not really i don't think it's going to change by any means but it's definitely a sad thing to see and i really wish it wasn't the case but black people aren't a monolith so i guess it's kind of just one of those things you have to accept but me personally, I haven't experienced that just because honestly, I keep my hot takes to myself most of the time. And um, I mainly use our Twitter account to retweet stuff or to have shady comments. But yeah. Um, as I say that, like being black K-pop fan, specifically being a black K-pop fan as a woman, is a very vicious cycle. Like, you see persecution from black men, you seen as other, you seen as weird, you seen as like a better word, as a cool. So. Yeah, that's that side. So then you go to the K-pop community, they face being, being doxxed, they face being persecuted. Like, we are held to a different standard than our white fan counterparts. So it's like, Walmart, wrong Walmart move, and you are suspended, you are taken down, you are persecuted, you are forced to be at the base, could never return. Which is not the case for the white people, so. Um, and then you also are silenced about the anti-blackness that happens in the K-pop community, so. Yeah, that sucks, but it's like no matter what we do, things won't change. And that's a sad and horrible thing to think about, but it's like, what can we do? You can hope with all that money, but at the end of the day, 
the white people still will be there, the Latin people will still be there, the European people will be still there, so the Southeast Asian people will be still there. It's like, they care about our money, but they don't care about us, so. It sucks, because, like, it's a loose, loose situation, and it's horrible, but that's the price you got to pay for being uh, being, um, being in the community that profits off their culture, but doesn't care about the culture, that profits off the fandom of the grabbiness of the back of the fandom, but we won't take the time to consider and teach and care about the fandom to make sure everybody feels included, everybody feels safe, everybody feels loved and appreciated, but at the end of the day, it's all about the money. And then on the other side, with our own community, we are seen as weird and this other and almost seen as like aliens for drawing the music in a different language when I'm pretty sure as soon as Yasmin comes on, they will be dancing and sing along. With all the black fiction going on, I just thought, but this is so funny that people think being a black hip hop fan is so cool that they will blackfish so they get cool porns, but at the end of the day, black hip black hip-hop fans are docs. We sent death threats, gore, we bullied, we are basically treated as trash, yet people think being black hip-hop fan is cool. They think because we got all these numbers and stuff like that, that is because we black, but it's not, it's because we're funny. And it's weird that they think us having this following is because we're black, but it's not really that they really would sit there and take the time to understand uh, what's going on behind the scenes. They would understand that being black hip hop is not the thing. It's like, we rather be non-black, so we want to face the mental criticism and indoctrinating that we usually get. So I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> I think, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, unlike Morgan, where I feel like you're fully, like, immersed in it, I feel like I definitely go in waves, and I, I, I feel like I'm definitely kind of... I'm not doing as much heavy kind of like mining as I think I was early on. And I feel like now the people that I'm into are kind of like a generation past now. I, I mean, like for me, I think my taste has always started on like American Top 40 radio type shit. And I mean, like when I was raised on like B2K, like making the band era type boy bands, I'm a huge NSYNC fan. Um, I fuck with Brockhampton. Like, it's just like, <laughs> if I 
like, if this, if this is my second coming out, if this is my second coming out, I think Sugar is a fucking bop. Like, it is. It's so, it's a great song. Yeah, everything off of Ginger is, like, is is really solid. Yeah, yeah. And, um... It's it's yeah, it's a vibe. Good, yeah, like, the remix. The remix, first. The remix would, is good. I would suggest. Fuck Dua Lipa. Honestly, yeah. that shit had me. I hate this. <laughs> this is a fun. Whoa. Yeah, do a free Bye, podcast. Do a free. <laughs> yeah, do a free. Um, yeah. No, but I, I like, and I'm a huge hyperpop fan too, with like uh, Charlie yeah. and Gex and totally. you know AJ Cook. Harder than anyone I know in that Definitely. like that lane of crack. I love. I, I mean, I've loved yeah. PC music since yeah. like 2013, exactly. 2014. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do. Yeah. I yeah. am a gabber bitch. Yeah. I will go to the trance rave, yes, and I will. Yes, yes. We have done enough Molly at clubs to really. Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah. and that's the whole thing. I mean, I yeah. just love. I love club really music. Like I love. I yeah. That is. I think that's when my true Sagittarius energy manifests. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's when I'm high in the club. <laughs> I know that's right. I know yeah. that's right. <laughs> With that being said, yeah. Um, yeah. probably one of the biggest highs I've ever gotten to in a live music event was seeing NCT. Yeah. And like the yeah. vibe was yeah. genuinely oppressive in a way yeah. where like I was like, I couldn't keep up with the crowd, yeah. which is like a first for me. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were like, oh shit. <laughs> like, yeah. All these teenage girls like, like yeah, it's it was. I mean, like, listen, yeah. I, K-pop concerts are consistently the most, and I've been to way too many. I think yeah. at this point, yeah. I spend I spend a lot of money on these things because yeah. I want to get floor seats. I'm like, listen, I didn't get to do this in high school, so I'm yeah, gonna do it 100%. now. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that like the energy at like K-pop shows are like probably the most intense. Like they're mm-hmm. single-handedly the loudest concerts I've been to, I genuinely. Know. Know, like, honestly, like it's like crazy how they can drown out the boys on stage yeah yeah, yeah. like it, yeah. it just kind of it builds like a certain type of kind of climate that like totally. i'm just not it's intense it's i intense. mean like a lot yeah. of it also goes back to sort of like the standum culture where it's just yeah. like which seems to be also another point where people are sort of like i can't really access this because like people are really dedicated to this. Uh, yeah, like, super dedicated to it, which is understandably off-putting. Mm-hmm. Like, I've heard, like, a lot of comparisons to cults, et cetera, et cetera, which is, like, eh, sometimes if you dig deep enough, it can really feel like that. Like, Twitter is definitely a space where that is just, like, completely harbored and, like, allowed to exist in that format, um, which is a little weird. Yeah, but, but I mean, it goes, that sort of obsessive quality, like, I mean, like, in the way that, like, I feel like sports... Right, like movie like it, it's the same totally. sort of cult of personality totally. that gets formed. A hundred percent. It's just like way more like they're wearing Balenciaga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, literally, just like, they just yeah. happen to be really pretty. Exactly. Um, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. As exhilarating as the energy of twenty thousand dedicated listeners dancing and screaming together can be. The fandom aspect of the medium remains as one of the most jarring and intense parts of this pop culture. Apart from Mason, Adrian, and Jordan, the others interviewed for this episode are hosts of their own shows. The style of these shows, 106 and Soul, White Teen Words, and It's the Melanin for Me, are close, casual conversations between Black friends about what they love. These shows are all public, easy to find, and are a few of many, including our show, that have popped up in the past few years. 
Deb, Larissa, and Destiny from Whiting Words have carved out their own public space apart from the circus of social media, which we will get into soon enough. As Black fans, they and their listeners can honestly discuss, agree, disagree, laugh, and critique the media they consume. I guess on the on the theme of like dislikes, and I guess we can bring in the podcast because this, I, I guess, comes up where it's like not necessarily dislikes, but criticality about this particular medium, which for whatever reason is sort of skim. Um, very odd to me, but um, just uh, the idea of like, being like, okay, so I really like this thing. There are some things as a black person specifically that I think we need to talk about. <laughs> um, like what, it, it describe the process of like coming together for a show about this thing that you all love and like the, from this point of view that is like very you know like the black femme point of view like i'm like always looking at larissa I'm like larissa <laughs> <laughs> well i think we all um the three of us me uh deb and destiny have a lot of um experiences and conversations that sometimes when we kind of talk together we realize that there's one point that intersects and we're all like oh yeah that one thing we all have this really strong opinion about let's flesh it out and discuss further and i think it's interesting too because um i see us um, and debbie can correct me if i'm wrong as like having like different um perspectives and experiences of k-pop based on what time we got into them like i got into k-pop and was more most active in the community between like 2009 and 2012. And I think Deb is more um, with the contemporary K-pop right now um, and the K-hip hop. And I think Destiny is more on the, is it the girl groups wave, Debbie? Yeah, she's girl groups mm. and like very, very new to K-pop. Like she became yeah. a fan um, in like late 2018, 2019. Oh my gosh. So like wow. very new. Wow. So we have yeah. a full spectrum of like views and obviously our opinions do align a lot because simply we're all black women that are into K-pop. But yeah. because like Larissa has been in it longer than the both of us, she might have more insight um, on things we may not know too much about. Like, for example, our latest episode was about K-music and Black women. And, like, I thought I yeah. knew stuff. And then Larissa <laughs> was, like, telling us all this stuff. I was like, wait, what? Okay, before we jump into this, if you haven't heard of K-music and Black women, once again, feel free to look into this. In a loose description, K-Music Black Woman is a long-running Tumblr blog that chronicles various recorded interactions between male K-pop artists, not exclusively Korean men, and Black fans, more specifically women. The interactions are almost always sexualized and hyper-analyzed um, and are usually of a humorous tinge. Yeah, it was ah. crazy because I watched that whole thing in real time, so it was so interesting to see how the fan community was back then, too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I remember I meant to listen to that episode before we started this because I just remember before hopping on Twitter for K-pop Critical, I was like such an Instagram head just like going and like honestly a little weird but there are still some people that I know that are very much just like yeah no I'm like an adult and like this is fine but like <laughs> following all these like different trap accounts that are like specifically K-pop fan accounts and when K-music and black woman was very active on Instagram, like mm -hmm. like that last tail in before 
the disappearance. <laughs> like, yeah. I just remember every other day, it was something, it was a post that she would make or, you know, whoever, whoever is running <laughs> gay music and black women would make. And it was just, it would set the timeline on fire. That is, yeah. that was just such a, wow. Oh my gosh. What a presence. So she was the exact same on Tumblr too. It's mm -hmm. like every time I right. scroll down, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Another day. <laughs> yes. Another day. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. I guess like on on that topic of just like sort of like I, I can't even say that it's you know, and, and I I did listen to like a little little bit of the episode. There is like a moment of just like Deb, I think you were playing devil, devil's advocate saying like, oh, okay, so K music and black women existing is not the absolute worst idea <laughs> for some people. <laughs> for some people, it might have been something that was a little affirming, definitely not the best way, but <laughs> it is something that exists that... Uh, you know, gives the girls something to kiki about. I'm yeah. See, yeah, that was definitely me and Destiny. Like, I was yeah. definitely, like, you know, we would literally would kind of, whenever she came up, we'd kind of, like, laugh about it or, like, send each other stuff. And, like, yeah. not in the way, like, oh, my God, did you see our opa did this? Not like right, that. Right, right. More, like, yeah. more like, can you believe this is what did she say? This is hilarious like yeah, right, exactly. free comedy and no exactly <laughs> exactly so when you come from it at that angle i think it's fine and i think destiny yeah. took a step further and was saying that like you just said morgan like for some people this is like helpful to them like maybe this mm -hmm. gives them some type of levity or makes them feel a bit more accepted or mm -hmm. feel better about liking a genre of music that isn't always kind to black people right um, right definitely so, yeah honestly k music and black women really is an anomaly not necessarily because of the uniquely double-sided fetishist viewpoint of the blog but because of the very public spectacular nature of this blog it was created in 2014, and as the author states on her About page, it was born out of a need to talk about, quote, interactions with girls like me because no one else wanted to talk about it. She mentions feeling left out and unloved and wanting to dispel the presumption that the international artists she enjoys weren't interested in people like her. Granted, I myself feel that this is maybe not the harmless space of affirmation the author and some of her readers think it is. This is obviously a cat-dog-esque product of Orientalism and misogynoir. In a slight way, I do sympathize a bit with the author's attempt to combat the paranoia spurred from misogynoir and a pop sphere influenced by Black people. Of course, this being an anonymous blog, I have no proof that the author herself isn't actually blackfishing. But considering the amount of black female stands that this blog resonates with, I'll go ahead and say sure. She probably is black. After a months-long hiatus, a post was made in August 2020 updating readers about where the author had been. She mentions that her hiatus is not due to COVID-19 or the multitude of hate messages she receives, but because of her own struggle with depression and her general loss of interest in K-pop. 
The Post continues to dispel rumors that accumulated over the years, including whether or not she makes money from the blog, stocks idols, or has children. The Post has a little over 4,000 notes on Tumblr. I'm not sure if this has changed as changed much within the years since I haven't been as like um, active online, specifically in the K-pop like fandom space. But I know when I was first starting out, like uh, 2009, it was still very like niche. And so when it came to like um, different fans or like, say, for example, um, Shaw Walls versus Armies, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. It was this weird type of like um, vitriol almost for like black girls that would interact because it's already like, oh, well, I mean, those are our biases and they would look at us before they'd even consider you and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, neither mm-hmm. of us are ever going to date these men. Or these <laughs> right. Women. So let's get that out of the way. And second of exactly. all, <laughs> exactly. and like, yeah. And then like second of all, it's like. <laughs> you shouldn't invalidate our presence in the space because we're mm. all coming together over this music that we love. And, you know, it's so right. interesting sometimes. Like, um, it's very similar to how I feel like I interact with the cosplay space because it's like you're mm. a minority within a minority space. It's like we should all, like, mm. literally be super welcoming, super inclusive, yet you're still icing me out in subtle ways. And so that's mm. always just made me, like, go, er. Like, I think I remember... Right. <laughs> D-Dragon, yeah, and either it was D-Dragon or um, Jay Park, or maybe both, but there was some point back in 2011 where they featured a black girl as the lead and the love interest in their music videos, and the fans were not having that, honey. They were like, uh-uh. 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 How they were like, <laughs> they were like, Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> a Negress in my K-pop? <laughs> what? Because it's like, why would it be? Because they're in a goddamn J Park and G Dragon music video. Exactly. Of all people, that's like, of all people. (laughs) Yeah. Look at the material. He's showing you. Look at the material. Wait, that is so crazy. I, yeah, that's so, it's because I'm unfamiliar with J Park's music and like a little bit of G Dragon's music. I'm like a little spotty on some of the solo stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, Wow, I had no, I really did not even, I probably have seen this somewhere, but I just don't remember what song that is. Yeah, Whoa. I don't remember for the life of me either, but it was a whole thing. Oh my god, of course that would happen though. That's what's so crazy to me. I'm just like, wait, once again, these are like genres of music that these people are performing that are very like, they were built out of black struggle. Like, like exactly. what? Like, I'm so confused. Like, Sometimes when I listen to K-hip-hop and they say a line that's like, oh, I made it out these streets. What streets? What? Literally. Literally. <laughs> People want to be from the ghetto so bad. Yeah. Literally, I'm like, damn. Like, I know we got poverty everywhere, but like, come on. <laughs> I'm like, God, damn. Like... <laughs> like okay like listen it's not the same sort of growing up situation that y'all hear jay-z talking about like that's yeah, not right. the same at all <laughs> like, at all it's perplexing yo. as many black fans have continuously outlined in various fandoms outside of k-pop social media can be an incredibly violent space for black fans to critique celebrate and engage with the things they love Things as inconspicuous as Black fans cosplaying as non-Black fictional characters to disliking a song are fuel for anti-Black attacks. 
In result, Black-led or even Black-only spaces are created for fans by fans to talk in nuance without the fear of anti-Black interaction. The need for these spaces became undeniable following the aftermath of May and June 2020, where the deaths of Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, George Floyd, Maude Aubrey, and Richard Brooks happened. Yeah, no, that's super, it's super interesting to think about it that way because there are so many different push and pull moments like that, that maybe happen like on a smaller scale that like, I don't know, like a company, like I, for like, I'm thinking most recent sort of example of this is maybe when uh, the protests started picking up again in July and June um, and just all of these K-pop companies sort of like, they mostly folded, but some of them showed their ass and like Mm -hmm. issued like maybe a black square with some text on it. Maybe not necessarily helpful text, but having that moment of like, okay, like, no, they were literally like, actually by example, we're like, I see you. That was it. That's enough enough activism for me today. Yeah, no, that's enough activism. Yeah, no, it's it's weird. I feel like there are those moments of just like, okay, Black people, you're visible. And then like automatically invisible after that moment. And K-Music yeah. and Black women was so interesting because there was such a like hyper focus on Black visibility and specifically Black female visibility. That's yeah. the thing that always is like so interesting to me where it's like, God, like there are like, I don't see a blog for black men (laughs) like in this of course this is like a whole fetish and things that like actually like exist and like have specific websites that like take it to a completely different level of course now that i'm thinking about it but like but that being said it's just so interesting seeing this medium have that constant back and forth of like all right it's nonsensical that it's based all on black music you know black creative input that's been crafted for years and now it's just like this really intense sort of worrying machine where like, of course people are still creative and do, do a lot of things, but there's sort of like a disconnect between the black aspect of it and like what it is now. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, like when some of the SM artists like posted about the black lives matter thing, I was like, wow. It was surprising. I was like, <laughs> but like, wow. <laughs> Right. Also, it was it was like, whoa, did not think that you would post anything today. That being said, thank you for posting nothing but a black square. <laughs> that is very helpful. <laughs> Bro, when Johnny posted that black square and he said, I can't I, I, I oh my God, my baby. He cares. My heart sank. <laughs> I'm sorry. It shouldn't be funny, but it is. It's no, so funny. No. Sometimes, sometimes I check Johnny's tens, JB's, like they they look Instagram. I'll be like, I wonder if it's still there. I always forget <laughs> that JB posted it too, and I was sitting there the whole day. I was like, I was really sitting there that week, after, especially after Mark made his seven thousand dollar donation. I was like, now see, I was like, this is something I can work with. I was like, okay. okay. I like seeing this. I like seeing this. I wonder what the rest of God 7 was going to do. When Yu-Gi-Oh also threw in his money in the hat, I was like, whoa. I was like, God 7 out here. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a little taken aback. But I I like to see it. I like to see them do this. JB hit us with the black square. I was like, we were going so good. (laughs) But Yu-Gi-Oh, at first, Yu-Gi-Oh only posted a black screen on his thumb. (laughs) 
not even a post a story post that that would be deleted in 24 hours but i mean i guess he saw people getting on his ass right let me just do a little more and i was like oh my god thank you (laughs) open the purse but when i was thinking about okay when they were posting things like celebrities in general or k-pop artists in general were posting on their like their um personal instagrams i was like okay so this company is obviously letting them do it so the people who are silent i guess they don't care um but also um also with the um I just forgot what I was going to say. Wait, wait, wait. I remember, I can remember. What was Jamie saying? Oh, fans. Yes. Fans, when back when the um stuff was going on with George Floyd, when I, my T.O. was a lot of carrots. And I, I love Seventeen. I do. They are everything. And they're they're one of my odd groups but when i say carrots are disrespectful and races i it's 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 a specific it's a really big a really big (laughs) demographic of carrots it's a a specific one that i am thinking of that is just horribly racist Yeah. Right. Of course. I feel like I vaguely remember. I I can't say that I'm on like carrot Twitter like that, <laughs> like that, even though I am also a carrot. But like I I feel like that definitely was something that kind of like echoed further out into the Twitter sphere. And I definitely I feel like I've heard about this moment happening <laughs> where it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like really? Like it, it's an issue yeah. when uh Marvelous people will genuinely lose their morals mm-hmm. or just basic human decency mm-hmm. if something happens and it's super sensitive mm-hmm. and they'll just be like okay but can your k-pop boy do this and i'm like that is not the time that was not the time <laughs> like don't nobody give a fuck about my k-pop boy right now or yours <laughs> like, like as much fuck? as i love them or as much as i like yeah. love k-pop like it's yeah a huge issue when people like start bashing other people other races and things like that especially Mm -hmm. during sensitive times Mm -hmm. for no reason (laughs) yeah yeah no that was this is that's definitely gonna be like a huge part of this episode is just talking about how odd the timeline was looking during this particular portion of the year where it was just like so many people were like literally mourning like (laughs) for me personally like not to compare and contrast idols and what they did in this moment, because really, truly, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter unless it's like a consistent sort of like thing <laughs> that they're like, oh, yeah, black people are actual people and I care about their humanity consistently. I'm like, I don't need the, you know, whole charade and show of it. But um, it what was so weird and like for me, like a moment that I was just like, uh was like witnessing not only just like no thing no ounce of sort of like this thing i am am acknowledging is happening happening and is like a global sort of like outcry 
et cetera, et cetera. Like I had, there was nothing from 17 themselves, definitely nothing from Pledis. Um, and then also just like the stands on top of that, where it was like a majority of them were like very much just like, okay, like you have our support, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of other people though, like there were definitely pockets that were just like, this is simply just an everyday normal day for me. Nothing is happening to me. <laughs> like, and and seeing the just like absolute crazy anti-blackness and like anger lash out in so many weird random moments because people somehow had their faves inserted into this situation where they obviously would just not be otherwise. It's yeah. I, I'm like, I wish I had like a clear statement of what I was trying to say by that. But I'm, I'm just like thinking about this right now. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, this reminded me of like the BTS situation with that. Mm-hmm. You know how they donated a lot of money to the Black Lives Matter like foundation. But when mm-hmm. their fans like matched it, there was just a lot of armies going mm-hmm. about. Like, it, especially to like Black armies that you know, yeah. we did this to you, like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And this, it was just very anti-Black. And oh, definitely. Army always try to portray, like, themselves as a family when they don't really treat their Black stands like family. Especially mm-hmm. when um, BTS took a while to, you know, come out with a statement. It was like a week. And mm-hmm. Black stands were, like, waiting for something. And mm-hmm. everybody, when they finally did make a statement, everybody was just like, you should have trusted BTS. You should have never turned them back. And I was just like, why are you saying <laughs> these Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, yeah, no, that was a th- That happened a lot with, like, a, a lot of other fandoms. I can't say that it happened, like, on, like, as big of a scale. But, like, it was definitely, I remember when the match happened. And I was like, good. Like, that is the most sort of just, like, like if we're raising money for nonprofits, matching that gift with another gift is literally the most helpful, efficient, or not efficient, helpful, effective, and like smart thing to do, especially if you have the resources. So like, yeah, that being said, this is not a bragging point. We're raising money for human rights organizations that are, get, are trying to work towards black liberation. This scratches the very top of the iceberg of what Twitter has consisted of since the initial wave of support for Black Lives died down. Since this past summer, I've personally witnessed many egregious interactions that have leveraged Black people, our pain, and our vulnerability as collateral for the sake of a shitty, nonsensical, and unimportant clapback or attempt to humiliate Black fans for sport. Photos of George Floyd pinned to the ground, suffocating under the knee of officer Derek Chauvin have been edited, their faces replaced with the covers of various Billboard charting K-pop albums. One of the most devastating moments to witness beyond these types of edits was the nearly month-long, if not longer, battle against an anonymously run doxing account that exclusively targeted Black female users of various fandoms and ages. Many of the friends I interviewed for the series remember this account very well, which makes sense as this all literally happened a few months ago. In fact, many have set their accounts to private, indefinitely, a safety precaution that we all took up while this account was active. 
I don't want to really focus too heavily on this account as it's more trauma porn than it is important to the narrative of why this disconnect between blackness and K-pop happens. But there was one incident during this time that did spur a relevant line of thinking. Something that's been coming up more so recently with like... (laughs) with attacks on black fans, um, specifically black women. Um, there has been like, I hate to hate to bring this up, but that fucking doxing account that had been running rampant on Twitter and, you know, keeps reappearing in various forms, um, whether or not they're copycats, you know, who's to say, it's just like the reality of us being like, okay, right. Black women live rent free in everybody's head for whatever reason, um, all the time. This is really interesting. Um, one of the iterations of this account was bringing up American imperialism, like specifically U.S. engagement with Korea as a thing and saying something along the lines. I took screenshots of it and I'll probably read it out for this episode, but there was something along the lines of like, Black people feel so entitled, et cetera, et cetera, Black, like, et cetera, et cetera, and then tied in u.s imperialism just sort of in a separate tweet but definitely in the same thread and it was a very weird sort of moment where like i was like okay you're like i'm looking at this like right the u.s breaking korea apart is like so fucked up (laughs) like literally fucked up like looking at this i'm like k-pop should not exist in the way that it does and it does because the u.s really fucked korea shit up like we know this that being said what the fuck do black women who are k-pop fans have to do with that particular moment like this is like it was a weird sort of thing where it was like okay so like say this person is x y and z and they're mad about u.s imperialism why would doxing black women equal any sort of resolution etc etc and it was just such a weird sort of moment where i was like okay right these the people the audience that is consuming this is maybe separate from the audience that I think a lot of the people who are producing things within this medium are imagining. Like, I I think a lot of people are sort of like, and I mean, like, this happens a lot in just regular conversations where, like, you hear a song and you're like, who the fuck was this made for? (laughs) Like, you know, just like moments like that where you're just like, who was this made for? Is there, like, I'm trying to make this a more concise question, but I'm guessing... Because in my in my other conversations I've had with people who are way, way newer to K-pop um, and we're just sort of like, oh, interesting. I don't know why I find this so weird, et cetera, et cetera. And then we break down the conversation, talk about Orientalism, talk about the way that capitalism does X, Y, and Z. Um, and, and sort of their unfamiliarity when it comes to Korean history also. Um, do you feel like your understanding, like your own personal understanding of Korean history affects the way that you look at this medium? And if there's been like some sort of like evolution or just like, you know, I learned that about this country. Like I learned this about this. This is why this happens in this medium. Like, is there, are there any sort of breakthrough moments that you have or continue to have when you're witnessing this? Hmm. I'll let you go first, Deb. Sure. Um, I feel like for me, I don't, I'm going to be quite honest, I don't know too much about Korean history. I feel like maybe if you said 
learning about Korean culture, I definitely mm-hmm. feel like I get that from K-pop a little bit. But honestly, it's mm-hmm. more of you pick up on cultural things from like scene mm-hmm. things. So like dramas, I've picked up a lot of like cultural things. Um, I will say that when in terms of history, I guess the only context I really have is like if there's issues with like japan or china and Mm. i'm like curious oh why is that then i would like look into that or if i subscribe to this newsletter that kind of um does different news stories around asia but in english language and then i pick Mm. up on things there but i will say as a k-pop fan i haven't that's because i'm a k-pop fan hasn't really urged me Mm -hmm. to look into the history which maybe I should do that and check myself and uh, urge other people to do that because I feel like that could help us learn a lot. However, if you're talking slowly, like music history, then like, yeah, mm-hmm. I know a little mm-hmm. bit more. Like, was it like Sage oh, yeah. Boys or something like that? Like, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Saji. Thank you. Um, yeah. Like, I know that's kind of like the first inkling of K pop, even though it was definitely more on the hip hop side. And wasn't YG in that group too? Like he was. So like he I was know one of the boys. He was one of them niggas. Like yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> Stuff like that. Like I know yeah, that, yeah. and I feel like if you're a K-pop fan, you should do a little research because people be saying a lot people say anything on twitter and you're just like huh? anything, uh, anything. Uh. <laughs> um. <laughs> so like music history sure but like yeah history yeah. of like korea not really yeah yeah the, the cultural threads that i'm trying to talk about is just like like anti-blackness amongst kind of like k-pop aesthetics and Mm -hmm. just kind of like production Mm -hmm. but also understanding that like blackness american blackness specifically as like a cultural export is like Mm -hmm. embedded in like a history of like soft entertainment power that has been like pushed like um obviously for generations at this point Mm -hmm. so like there's like this weird dynamic where blackness is capitalized outside of like I mean there's like like recent examples I mean like Travis Scott's an international superstar yeah, yeah, you know totally. for a reason totally um and like that package is yeah no 100 like, percent. so I mean like <laughs> it's a package it's like an interesting <laughs> yeah. kind of conversation to talk about how because we talk about like I mean like just identity politics here mm-hmm. are just so obviously prominent they're brought up in every conversation yeah, yeah. but like the the globalization of blackness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um in american imperialism yeah. specifically and mm-hmm. how easily commodified bodies i guess specifically i would say i mean you could talk about from motown onward but i mean oh, like totally. superstar status totally. was definitely kind of like you know 80s onwards mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. i mean no i uh, agree yeah, yeah no totally i think also Something that happens is like a major disconnect and it happens a lot when people call out idols, you know, 
for doing something specifically anti-black, like, you know, yeah. or like, you know, even the smallest things, like, or not small, quote unquote, smallest things, um, as in like, somebody is talking about somebody who is in their group, who is visibly darker than them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, damn, you dark. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like all this crazy shit, like, oh, we can't see you when we turn off the lights, like all that weird shit, because that happens a lot. Yeah. In <laughs> Korean, in Korean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. Because uh, there's also like a history of just like, classism and yeah, associating chaos. that with skin color and that's like everywhere yeah, yeah. that's everywhere it's too like really yeah weird. it's very like, it's very much everywhere it's interesting seeing other people justify it depending on the region because yeah. definitely there are places where you're like that shit don't fly and then other places where it's like well that's just some shit that people say yeah. and it's like whoa okay interesting why do we look at it like this because that obviously does not just stop there like it translates into in other India, things yeah like, you know, I don't know right. when i was in columbia in january yeah. there definitely it was like those who labor more have seen the sun more like yeah, you know energy. that's a that's a whole thing um so you know that that's constantly brought up in this media by international fans but there's a disconnect between international fans and korean fans yeah. where people will be like no i'm dead ass boycotting this because i like this group but they need to understand that if i'm giving them money then like they should at least do something to recognize the fact that they have people who are different colors yeah. <laughs> like you know supporting them etc etc there are a lot of fans who are just like oh it's not not everything's about like the u.s etc etc and there's yeah. a disconnect between understanding that this particular country and the way that it has just been built and operates is very very much based around the literal oppression and genocide of black people mm-hmm. and that is just not i don't know if it's just not explained enough mm-hmm. in layman's terms or if we need like a whole course for people but that is something that is constantly brought up where people are just sort of like oh god like okay so like for example i think like to to maybe make this point a little bit more concise and clear for example something that literally happened fucking yesterday um there's this boy group that i probably just won't name drop because everybody will know who i'm talking about um uploaded a dance practice which is like super normal whatever whatever they uploaded a dance practice on their social media um, to the song I Need You, um, which is specifically the one that is like, I need you to arrest the killers of Brianna Taylor. Oh no. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. That literally happened. Uploaded a full dance practice. Just, they were just dancing to it. Allegedly, no one knew what this fucking song was about. There Talk was, about a re Oh my God, oh wait. There was the Brianna Taylor song, Dance oh, Cover. Oh, Okay, yes. Okay, so I brought this up in another interview, so I'm happy that we're talking about this. Mm. But it's also so sad that we're fucking talking about this. Like, yeah. Um, like, you what said the apologies, fuck? and that reminded me of the apologies that they released that were like, oh, we didn't know, my Yo, bad. No, the way... So, uh, needless to say, the artist who made this did an like a music video for this and had a dance to it that was very very simplified that was already like most people were like what the fuck are you doing enough like don't do that like you know like (laughs) this is completely unnecessary lo and behold we have a k-pop group (laughs) dancing to this completely just like outside of the context of like Brianna Taylor being a person who was murdered by the state that she was in. Um, so, like, you know, like, that happens. The video is taken down. Um, oh, the and then there's an apology. There is an that apology, video. yes. On V Live, yes. He yes. Un- the entire time. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> what he was eating, I don't know. I wish I knew. It, it looked good, good as hell. fuck. <laughs> it must have been good as a bitch. Because, like, he did not put it down for a second. He did not put that shit down for a second. He no, was I'm eating sorry the fuck out of it. For um, that thing Yo. I did. Um, yeah. I promised to show, like, he was the like, cooler I really side of me. <laughs> he was like, I better stay Yeah, I did not know. <laughs> Like, it was crazy. It was so, it was surreal. It was like, okay, like, we have spent, like, the past, like, four or five months, like, actually, like, fighting our own government to, like, at least try to prosecute this case. Like, this is kind of crazy to me. Especially seeing that there was, like, you know, like, a whole grouping of just, like, K-pop idols that were, like, okay, Black Lives Matter is a thing. And, like, I understand that, like, the media has construed this in, like, a very, you know, classic anti-Black way of just, like, oh, Black people are violent and, like, destroying the streets, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, like, most people were able to filter through because we have the internet and we have different perspectives, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I I just that shit was so funny because I'm thinking like I'm personally I I think about that apology and I think about the apology that was issued by 97 line which for clarity (laughs) was Mingyu from 17 Jungkook (laughs) from BTS um, Jaehun from NCT and Unwoo from Astro who went out in the middle of um, (laughs) Bam Bam was so close Bam Bam was so close he did not check his phone during that uh, on that weekend whatever the fuck (laughs) this happened but basically 97 line went out to multiple restaurants and uh, clubs during the height of coronavirus um and just hung out really it's not like they necessarily did anything wrong because there weren't restrictions so like all the niggas in atlanta they just Um, were out but that being said (laughs) they just yeah (laughs) them niggas were out (laughs) and that was a little irresponsible i'm gonna say yeah (laughs) yeah. so and that being said they had to issue like handwritten apologies like they all have done like you know they've all commented at least Mm -hmm. and have been like Respectfully, I am apologizing. Right. I'm not gonna lie. Making fun of Jayon was fun. No, that was hilarious. No, it was uh, yeah. The uh, seeing the fandoms do their thing was. Iconic. Well, you know, one fandom did not carrots, make fun at all because they just like, took it too serious. <laughs> That's true. That is also very true. Carrots were very much just like, girl, Mingyu didn't even do anything wrong. He just wanted to see his friends. <laughs> Which I was like, all right. I was like, all right, all right, carrots, all right. You can have seen his friends like, at the house. Like, right, exactly. Get it. They were like, nice one. <laughs> nice one, West Side nigga. Like, <laughs> if you're so, not black, don't yeah. say it. <laughs> I'm telling, let me pull up the apology video. Because that really, that one was really something that, I mean, like, this also, like, I'm telling you, this should happen, like, literally is just like i mean like when i'm consuming k-pop like i literally the the vocals are like something that i'm just never Mm -hmm. conscious of Mm -hmm. nor am i ever taking the time to actually look up like what the lyrical make i mean like i've been listening to shiny and ncc and exo for years now and i could not tell you what 90 percent of the lyrics that i'm like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. terribly kind of like reciting in the shower mean (laughs) you know what i mean so i mean like that's what i'm saying is just like i think when you're talking about a globalized approach like i think we need to understand like the literal production of this pop music is ingrained in american imperialism yeah and like i think like when you 
kind of have that discourse around kind of like what it means to have American pop be the standard for pop music. And not that like we, I mean like, you could talk about how the Swedes and, you know, Europe, you know, Europe, I guess maybe just kind of Western Europe and Mm -hmm. America kind of like make up that like cultural context. It's hard for me to necessarily like, um, I suppose when there comes to discourse around, I don't know, anti-blackness, I can't tell if it's necessarily like, because blackness is just like used for capital in yeah. this in this space, cool. so it's like it's purely aesthetic value at yeah. that point. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is just like maybe for this like conversation around like, am I supposed to expect some motherfucker from Seoul to know the nuances right, of like right. Breonna Taylor's murder? Totally, because it's like such a hyper specific American mm-hmm. thing. But like I mm-hmm. also you know, and then it's just like another example of how like you're still an imperialist in any kind of sense of American identity mm, because mm-hmm, I don't know, even mm-hmm. this discourse, there's an expectation that our, our discourse is like the sing, you know, singular discourse. Yeah. Totally. We totally. never talk about like our, you know, the, I mean like how much of the Korean war do any of us know? About, right. right. No, the totally. Lasting impact exactly. Of that, yeah, like, no, actual. Is this music part of like hyper industrialization? But I'm like, wait, I know nothing about like the, I'm <laughs> like, like, they're wait, like, because like, I don't yeah. know. They like, they do pop like drugs. Like they do, they take like their pop industries. So like, um, Oh, it's not just like, oh, like this artist. It's literally like a system where they really cycle people out and oh, yeah. cycle people in. Totally. And it's like, totally. who can dance well, who's been yeah. around for a while, who's not old, yeah. who has like current like hairstyles like that, or like <laughs> yeah. who has the most like English rap. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, like who's the hottest. The reason why I was most interested in when you started showing me it was because of that camera. There's like oh, a, the yeah, video uh, camera for the music video that is like ah, a robotic. Yes, arm. yes, and like the crazy, crazy robotic arm. Yes. And it's basically like, so many people are using yes. this like studio. if anybody's unfamiliar Camera. it's it's you can see it definitely in the nct yearbook 2018 which is the craziest video but they've I been really, using it way 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 more that, and yeah it's the most yeah. Like, explicit manifestation of how like industrialized this yeah kind of thing is yeah like we don't yeah. have one robotic arm in like la that everyone's using yeah. i feel like it's not <laughs> like that like yeah. yeah you still have interns carrying shit for the stylus and the uber right. i don't know yeah. they um <laughs> And uh, to the to your point about like the, the the group doing the dance practice to the Breonna Taylor song, it's like M- Mason is making a great point that like you know the, uh, ultimately blackness is just a commodity in this whole you know exchange, and like so like should we even expect them to like should we even expect there to be a deeper relation to right. like this shit than there than just like the aesthetic value it has? Totally. Um, and I think the same thing could be said about like. English like American pop exactly. music can be said about like anything. I think exactly. of earlier in what right when um George Floyd died, mm-hmm. um I forget what his name is. Is it David Guetta? David Guetta. Did <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. What did this nigga do? Right. <laughs> Where David Guetta's performing on some roof and he's like he's like Empire State Building. Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Did you not okay, see I this? I literally did not. Oh, How would you? Okay. okay wait, 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 Another time, because I have never seen this in my entire life. Oh, then we'll show the video, then we'll talk about it. It's so so, so shocking. Um, And and this is also Mason's point of that, like, you know, like, 
blackness is ultimately just aesthetic value yeah. and in pop in pop whether it's in Korea whether it's here whether right. it's in Sweden you know and so Latin we get, America even, and, you know? and so should totally. we we should expect things like this to happen yeah, you know yeah. and this Where is the is most egregious example Yo. Yo. When already things are so difficult. What? Shout out to his family. Shout out to his family. Whoa! What the fuck? Yeah. Not with the set. Yeah. What the f Club live in yeah. <laughs> what is this Laban? What the fuck? <laughs> no, right, he's yeah. tripping. Even Yo, I have yeah. never seen this shit in my yeah. entire life. Yo, <laughs> Yo, oh my god. Yo, but yeah, like blackness is just like it's just like little sprinkling on top of shit. You know, Ooh. like it's just little, like let me just sample yeah. this right yeah. quick. I really no calm. Yo. With anybody. Shout out to his family. Yeah. I'm Snoop Dogg. Like who? <laughs> like, are you kidding the me? I have a dream. With that the I, have a dream. Yeah, I have a dream. God, so much stuff. I have a dream there. of visa mix. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> like, what <the laughs> I that I complained. Yeah. Yo, somebody knew not to show me that yeah. shit. I'm dead. <laughs> somebody knew. So this is the apology that was issued today or something. I don't know if this happened. This seemed to happen in like way, way earlier into this quarantine. Which I think we can all agree has just been absolute hell. And we just need mm. to, like, listen, I'm going to have to intervene. Because yeah. this shit is, like, people are going out of their minds. Mm -hmm. um, but this was something that happened. It was just, like, on a live streaming app um, where one of the members was talking about how he deleted this video, basically. Um, and we could just play this. This nigga's eating? Smacking. Like... <laughs> Yo. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, it says he didn't know about it, <laughs> but yeah. as as you were gonna say. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like there's also an expectation right now that where he was like, oh, I saw international fans were angry and I took it down. I mean, like, are, are we supposed to get like a Tati Westbrook like apology <laughs> video from him where I just feel like <laughs> right, that right, is like right, that's a whole right. other that's thing a whole where other it's just thing. like yeah, and that's totally. the thing is just like there's. Aspects makeup um, YouTuber fight yeah. <laughs> with like all these fake apology videos. Yeah, yeah. About like yeah. sabotaging one another, essentially. Mm. That were just like really great acting. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oscar, Behind like the UV like light or whatever that, it was like the okay, The light. sunset in that actual second video from her though um, <laughs> is probably one of, one of the most like stunning pieces of filmmaking right. I think I've seen. Right. The missing so scene there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She really set the tone. I mean like it is like the whole set is like gooped yeah. the fuck up. You but somebody I mean? was like, this, like, is, like, this was him during this fucking um, apology. <laughs> God <laughs> damn, this bitch busted. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. eating the fuck out of whatever he was eating. Yeah. That like, makes me hungry. And, like, I, I, I know, right? Um, well, yeah. That's a Popeye's chicken sandwich. That's a Popeye's chicken sandwich right there. That is the whole thumb in there. Literally. <laughs> 
<laughs> this bitch busted, yo. Like, literally. So, <laughs> so, so, I mean, like, this, to contextualize, whenever idols are called out on, like, some shit by, like, mostly, like, you know, their Korean fan base, it's usually, like, straight, like, like, handwritten note. Yeah. Like, apology sort of thing. Um, so a lot of people were sort of like, damn, that's, like, I'm gonna go look for Jordan's pinky ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, madness, right? Like literally, I just I, that's like yeah. one of like how many examples mm-hmm. that we can pull from yeah. of this madness. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think having um, been in the fandom for so long, I've been able to see how it's kind of grown and um, shifted to a more mainstream appeal per se, and its mm-hmm. sound and how they present themselves, especially I would say between 2018 and now it's very much feeding into like the e-boy e-girl culture and it's very like trendy and how it like fits into like um the subcultures you see on social media which then feeds into the fandom which then regurgitates back into the music so in that really interesting loop versus Mm -hmm. when i was first starting out and it was very like um it's kind of like whenever someone thinks of J-pop, they already know exactly wow. like what the sound and what the look is. Yeah. Like, back when I started, K-pop had a very distinct wow. sound and look. And it's so interesting to see how it's like kind of opened up itself to like different influences. I, I mean, it's always had that like black music influence, but mm-hmm. I've seen them borrow from so many other avenues now in ways that are really, really interesting. And I don't know if BTS was really the one that kind of like... Um, shot it all the way over to what we're seeing now but i think they definitely were like one of the like sparks that shot that flame mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no definitely that is super that is so interesting i'm you know i'm thinking about like specifically that feedback loop of like what's happening online going into what's being made going back into what's going on online <laughs> um, and I'm, yeah i'm like thinking about that era of like G and like nobody and like all of these different songs that were like I mean like even like Girls Generation did this with like their cover of like yeah. Duffy's um Mercy yeah. where it was like that was like that just that just shot like that was viral that shit charted everywhere that song charted everywhere and then that was given to Girls Generation and then they just started that again <laughs> like yeah. that was just like another thing that just got we're like wait I know this song um and it's just it's interesting to think about how that feedback loop has changed and it's more so just what other people are doing you know like it's it's more so about like everybody online as this collective identity like okay what are they doing and then we do this instead of you know ripping directly from you know other artists or like other like specific genres and stuff like that so it looks a little bit more I don't know in a lot of ways I think a lot of people kind of approach this in a way of like oh like if we do this it, people can't really place the source so like whatever it's a little muddled it's 2020 it's yeah. etc um but it's like you know if if that's something that resonates with you you're like no i know exactly where the fuck that's from <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but, yeah. and it's so interesting you know. like even like in boy groups like seeing how ss501 sounded back in their yeah. heyday it's been such a jump yeah. And it's so interesting. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a, yeah, that is such a good point. Um, and I guess piggybacking off of that, um, 
it's interesting thinking about Korean history because I mean, like, I don't, I definitely don't know enough um, about like even the split between, you know, Korea and just like how that, like, <laughs> how that civil war was literally just like, you know, <laughs> instigated by the U.S., et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's interesting because like talking to a lot of other friends who are still you know sort of outside of it and like oh yeah like i see it like i know you like that whatever <laughs> they're they're very much just sort of like yeah i feel intimidated by the medium just because i see not only what's being produced but these sort of like sometimes i'll indirectly see these weird sort of mishaps or like i'll see cultural appropriation actively happening and i'll be like bro what the fuck yeah and then i'll be like well what do i actually know about korea that being said what do they know about me nor or slash what do they even care about my opinion on this mm -hmm. right. um so right. that's like that's a very interesting sort of thing that i see going back and forth and i'm like gosh is there any way to re repair that disconnect especially after <laughs> fans for <laughs> years online have been like i need to write a letter about this yeah <laughs> like what yeah. what can you do after a particular point um and educating i also this just reminds me that i saw this tweet that was just like opinions on educating idols and somebody was like that is stupid as hell they have the fastest internet <laughs> in the entire world and they are literally in one of like the global north like yeah. set of countries like what what am i going to educate them on like i just got right. my degree like what <laughs> Um, which I thought was really funny. And I was like, ah, yeah, well, <laughs> here <Right>. we are. <laughs> I feel like there's uh, so many yeah. ways to go about that discussion too, because like, yeah. for one, it's like, I, well, if you remember the Sam Ocheri like situation that happened with him. How did I forget? <laughs> it was all over Twitter. Um, it really was. It was. For clarification, the situation in question involved popular Ghanaian television personality Sam Ochieri making a call-out post on Instagram about a group of Korean high school students who wore blackface for a costume. It, it honestly made me so angry, but I feel like yeah. if I, I was trying to like learn what from the Korean netizen aspect, like what were they mad about? And it was something to do with the caption. And mm. I think he said something along the lines of like, he need like Korean people need to educate themselves, which I guess mm. they perceived as condescending. Mm. And mm. I guess if I was in not in that context, because blackface is never okay. But <laughs> right. if, if a Korean person was like to me, I need to educate myself on something. I guess depending on what it was, I would feel some type of way too. So mm. I feel like it goes both ways. Because like, okay, how many K-pop fans know? so much about korean history probably not a lot right how many koreans <laughs> know about american history or specifically black american right. history i know right. not a lot for that yeah um, definitely not definitely it's not. Apparently. Apparently, <laughs> apparently apparently they can just listen to the music and go but isn't that yeah. what we're doing too so i'm i tried i try keyword try uh to be a little empathetic but at the same time mm. just because you're in uh what is the word mon what's the word mono whatever uh, homogenous yeah homogenous yeah thank you yeah. <laughs> homogenous country 
doesn't mean you get a pass because what you're doing is trying to make music for a global audience you're trying to reach international markets you're trying to talk to different groups of people so you can't just say oh i'm from a homogenous country i don't know anything it's like okay but you're marketing and aiming for people from other groups you're going to have to learn to be culturally sensitive and empathetic to those people Mm -hmm. so like if you were just trying to market to Korean people and just Koreans, then maybe I wouldn't have as much as a problem. I mean, yes, I would have a problem with culture appropriation, but like, then it's like, okay, you're not making this for me. I guess I don't really have much ground right. on saying anything. Mm-hmm. But if you're marketing mm-hmm. it towards me and then showing me box braids, what am I supposed to say? Right. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that was a fully thought out, like fully thorough, but no, but that, yeah. If you're trying to be global and trying to like be international, like I just saw today, like SM is getting like some type of square in LA, (sighs) then like buck up, baby, and like learn a little bit about other people because this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, sorry, I could talk about culture where we all day and I don't even know no, that's real that's real about, yes <laughs> yeah yeah anything to add on that uh <laughs> no I could have said it better than what Deb said like yeah yeah and also being um getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because learning and educating yourself is not easy and it's not going to especially if it challenges like your ego or what you and you've been conditioned to like think is acceptable because Korea is so homogenous. I don't think they've ever had like an extensive call out of, Hey, this is not okay from internally within the country. So I think when outside, you know, audiences are being like, this is not okay. You know, they have that detachment to where they just really can't like put the bridge together so that they understand and they can learn. But it's about like, owning up to your missteps and continually being like, I'm going to educate, I'm going to learn because I want this music to be universal because that's ultimately the goal here is to make sure it touches everyone. So let's make it inclusive. Yes. Yeah. Inclusive. No, I completely agree with that where it's like, right. So <laughs> several steps, like, <laughs> first of all, anti-blackness, y'all got to fix that because if y'all don't fix that, Regardless of whether or not you stay where you are, anytime you go anywhere else, I guarantee you it's going to get worse. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I promise you, if people are successful in eradicating Black people through any means possible, it will just simply trickle down to anybody else that is not white. Because that's how white supremacy works. <laughs> like, yeah, no. simply. So, like, you know, that education aspect is so crucial. And I, I just, I personally just come from a place of, like, I just want to know so much (laughs) which is like you know for better or for worse but like in in this case of you know understanding like I mean it honestly for me it helps me understand why I like particular parts of k-pop and like these different things I'm like oh that sound is so familiar and it's like oh it's so rooted in blackness oh I wonder why that was even like a thing that was of interest and it's like oh yeah there's like a lot of suffering that has happened in this country that is it's just generational and that yeah whatever that feeling is like people channel that into the arts often exactly. so like you know that just understanding that these things are just in continuous circles of just like I mean like literally 
I'm like, I sound like the fucking coexist sticker. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I really just like, there are just so many different things that touch other things. And we just need to be, it's just helpful to be conscious of it. And it's not even like, oh, you need to be like, you just, it's like, very helpful <laughs> like you know yeah. for yourself and like around so yeah totally um and that's funny because I also think about like the spread of like this information around blackness and black people and conceptualizing them beyond sort of like a media sort of like you know a 2d image whatever whatever um in or like inspo or like a pinterest board <laughs> like and understanding that there's like humanity a part of blackness um and black people um there has been like you know very small tricklings of you know different artists and different musical artists even who were like very much just like okay like y'all like like pretty much all the music that I make is inspired by this black artist or I have black friends and what was said to them earlier this week is crazy so I need y'all to know this is not okay like they're um I'm specifically thinking of this one artist um who does like webtoon comics or whatever, like short vignettes on Instagram. Um, the username is YurongSS. Oh, I think I know what you're talking <laughs> um, about. You probably have seen some of these comics around. Yeah, no, no they're, their comics are very sort of, um, <clears throat> whoa, <laughs> very sort of quick, um, you know, 10 panel at most little vignettes explaining a situation that, um a friend uh, she I I don't know the backstory specifically for this person but they have like a black friend or like a couple of different you know friends of like many races and ethnicities and they just hear about these experiences and they're like all right let me illustrate this and then also explain in Korean why this was like not okay <laughs> like why this was this made my friend feel bad like yeah. I should probably put it in this language and like I like you know render the scenario so some people have a little bit more context and it's, so it sounds it's interesting because it's kind of like god like the idea of like somebody who's non-black having to transcribe these experiences for other non-black people to actually listen is like <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, but you know in the in the idea of like making sure that other people in a territory that just like probably don't really have um you know the representation representation of black people other than like people who go for tourism or u.s soldiers <laughs> or you know just like i don't know mixed people really um you know that that sort of spread of cultural like information and just information about anti-blackness is so crucial and honestly very very i very skim from what i've seen yeah. from what i've witnessed from just poking around and seeing on online it's like i'm sure that there's so many pockets of people who are like right anti-blackness is weird like but that being said we still are existing in a pop sphere where lightning skin and wearing colored contacts that are blue and ice blue is like totally normal <laughs> like like super like don't even bat an eye people think that is extremely pretty um and yeah no i mean it all really does circle back around to blackness which is like woo okay yeah exactly <laughs> So, yeah, 
the feedback loop is obviously flawed. As long as blackness is pulled through and flattened out in this loop, I think I, as a black fan, will just have to find and maintain my own autonomy as much as humanly possible. Maybe I won't be talking to whoever is on the other side of this loop, but I'll at least be focusing on protecting and healing my side. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at kpop underscore critical underscore. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode and learned something new uh, or you're white and you would like to pay reparations, feel free to look at our cash apps below in the description. And if you're broke, that's fine. You could also just write a review and tell us how you thought this episode went. Um, we really appreciate it, especially seeing that this has been a very difficult episode to put together um as this past year has been very difficult for black people so we'll see you all in a couple of weeks when we return and talk about music either old slash newish releases that happened in september that we're a little late publishing or uh the part two of this series on blackness where we talk about blackness and the intersection of music uh whichever happens first a special thanks to everyone who called in to the K-Pop Critical Hotline, which once again, that will still be open throughout the duration of the end of this year into next year as the series continues. Very, very special thanks to Deb, Larissa, Amari, Erin, Mason, Adrian, Jordan, Jay, Jamie, Savannah, and Tara for being on this episode. This first bit of proof, now I happen. Do you see my?